promise you this, I followed him and watched him drive today. I'm not praying against him, but I'm sure praying for him. <laughs> and anybody that rides with him, we laid hands on the right souls today because they rode with him. Moo Moo, I heard what you said about me. Boy, can you see me in a Moo Moo or anything else? I'll tell you. Ma'am, I sure... No, don't get scared. I'm not going to yell at you. I love that violin choir. And uh, I'll tell you now, I'm going to tell on Gage and Aaliyah. Uh, we are good friends with Gage's mother and father. And we were with them a week ago. And uh, you ought to do that skit that you did at the couples conference. We'll get that for the missions conference. Maybe not. Did you know that Gage and Aaliyah play the violin? Yes. And uh, <clears throat> we have a young man from Ambassador who joined our staff uh, 10 years ago. I don't know when. But uh, he is an accomplished violinist. And he came to me 10 years ago and he said, would you mind if I just tried to get some kids interested in playing the violin? And he had been to Menominee Falls and, and seen that great program there. And I said, well, I don't, I don't think many people will be interested in it, but why don't you try? And I want you to know 10 years later, we have about a violin choir of about 30. And it is, preacher, I just fall over when I hear them and at the ability that they have and, and the way that God uses that. I am convinced one of the greatest things you can do for your children is teach them the discipline of playing a musical instrument. It will bring blessing to their life. And it will also make them, it'll give them a gift that God can use all of their life in their service in church. And that was just outstanding. And I was so encouraged to see that. I see that, now I see her, she was hidden behind here, playing the uh, viola. I said the cello, you thought I said viola, didn't you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Amen. I have been blessed by these school kids, and I, I just hope you appreciate what you have. In, and and I, I know the kids are great, but let me tell you, there are hundreds of hours of work by people who love those children and are patient with those children. I mean parents as well, but the staff of this school, I, I don't know who all they are, but man, do they do a good job. And I, I love the heart that they have in it. It's one thing to put a performance on. It's another thing to see heart and to see love and joy and what is being done. And, and I think, in my humble opinion, um, what those kids were able to do tonight to be a part of that program will in their young hearts do something that hearing me preach couldn't do at this age in their life. And that's hard for me to say because I really love my preaching. But it will do something in their hearts that hearing a sermon from me couldn't do because they were part of those uh, of, of being a blessing to those missionaries and that cupcake offering and singing those songs and the truths that go with that. I, I just want you to know that has been a significant blessing to me, both in the teenagers last night. And by the way, teenagers, I love that I saw you working with the younger kids. Please understand they watch you every day at this school. They watch what you do. They watch your attitude. They watch your spirit. 
And it is so vital for you to take a part in helping them and being a blessing, being an example to them. Okay, I'm full. I'm blessed. I really am. I've enjoyed it very, very much. And uh, I'm very grateful that I've had the opportunity to be here. Now, stop making me talk about that and let's get to the sermon or we're going to be here till 10 o'clock tonight, all right? Now I got you scared, don't I? Second Corinthians chapter 9. We won't be here till 10 o'clock. Let's preach fast if you listen fast. Second Corinthians chapter 9, and I want to begin reading in verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Preach to you for a few moments tonight why every one of us ought to be involved in this faith, promise, missions offering. Let's ask God's help. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you so much for uh, the wonderful programs that we've seen, the great presentations by these missionaries, the fellowship we've had. Bless now in these few moments as we consider truth from your word. Speak to our hearts, we pray. Amen. Faith promise is as old as the New Testament. I think we need to be very careful that we don't come to the conclusion that we have come up with a program and somehow the program we've come up with is what's being used. Now, it is true that you'll not find the word faith promise or the phrase faith promise in the Bible, but you will find the concept of faith promise. Let me tell you where we started to get the word or the phrase. Back in the late 1800s, during a great time of revival, there was a man named A.B. Simpson. Many of you have probably heard that name. And A.B. Simpson would not have been exactly our stripe, but he, he was a good and godly man, loved the Word of God, and had a real burden to reach the world and a real burden for missions. And he started what many of you maybe are familiar with, the Christian Missionary Alliance Movement, the CMA Movement. And uh, he called uh, their outreach to the world a faith pledge, a faith missions pledge. And the truth is, the CMA movement, Christian Missionary Alliance, was a powerful movement that placed missionaries all across the globe, and a lot of people will be in heaven because of that great, great effort. Well, fast forward 30, 40, 50 years, And we come to a man, and maybe you'll recognize this name, in the 1920s, Dr. Oswald Smith in Toronto. And uh, Dr. Smith was more Baptistic than A.B. Simpson was, and, and you know that all Baptists are uncomfortable with anything called a pledge. And so... Uh, Dr. Smith decided that, boy, that's a great, great truth, and we need to continue to do that, 
but we don't want to call it a pledge. And for the first time, somewhere in the 1920s, Dr. Oswald Smith began to say, we need faith promise missions in our churches. And in truth, that great church in Toronto, Canada, uh, sparked a missions movement that I still think we are kind of uh, a legacy of these many, many years later. Now, whatever you want to call it, the Bible doesn't call it faith pledge, doesn't call it faith promise. I think probably the more accurate word, if we want to be biblical, is that we are involved, and I think Dr. Halsey coined this phrase, we are in a grace-giving conference. We are going to give by grace, God's grace, God's gifting and ability. We're going to give so that the grace of God can be preached all across this globe and men and women can hear the gospel and come to the Lord Jesus Christ in and by His grace. Now, you and I sit here in 2020, and uh, we can talk about what happened in 1880 or 1920, and we can talk about BIMI and other great missions organizations and great missions churches, but really what it comes down to is, as individuals and as members of Central Baptist Church, are we going to choose to step into the plan that God instituted in the New Testament and give by His grace so that a world can hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all I want to do this evening, and I promise you I will go quickly, I want to give you five reasons that every person here ought to be involved in this faith promise, grace-giving missions outreach at Central Baptist Church. Here's number one. Every person ought to be involved because it is biblical. I want you to note for a moment the church at Philippi. And keep your thumb here in 2 Corinthians 9, but turn over for just a moment to Philippians chapter 4, would you? Philippians chapter 4. And I want to read a couple of verses to you. Understand that the church at Philippi was a wonderful church. It, it had people in it, so it had issues and problems. But it was a wonderful church and, and was very supportive of the Apostle Paul in all of his missionary endeavors. You know, if you've studied the Bible any, that the church at Philippi, one of the things, one of the themes of the book of Philippians is that it was a place of joy. It was a happy church to go to. Can I tell you one of the things I like about Central Baptist Church is I think people are happy to be here. I think people are... Now, I understand there's some cranks, right? I don't know who they are, and I've not met them. I understand that it's not a perfect place because we're here, but it, it's a happy place. And can I suggest to you that part of the joy that is found in this place is directly relatable to the fact that you gather here to encourage one another to give to missions, to reach a world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Notice just a few verses. Look in chapter 4 and verse 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia... Now, do you remember what we said the first night that Paul was in Troas 
and he received a vision to go over to Macedonia. That's this Macedonia. And he crossed the Adriatic Sea and went into the continent of of Europe and into the land of Macedonia and into the city of Philippi. And there God planted this church. And so now he is saying, he's leaving there. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Well, I'll tell you, from the beginning days of the church at Philippi, they had a burden to support the Apostle Paul. You know why? Because they had been so blessed in their own lives by receiving the gospel. They didn't know Jesus Christ. They didn't know there was a Word of God. They didn't know who Creator God was. And Paul shows up and preaches the gospel to them, and they get saved. And I don't know about you, but I know about me. Since I've been saved, I've not quite gotten over it yet. It's still a good deal to me. I'm still excited that I am not going to hell. I am going to heaven. There's not a day I think I deserve it. There's not a day that I'm arrogant or haughty about it. I'm just glad I'm going to heaven. And so, because they had received the gospel, Paul says, since I left there, hey, nobody else communicated with me. Nobody else asked, do I have needs? But you asked, do I have needs? You were willing to support me. So no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Notice this. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. That's what these missionaries are going to do. Look, Do they want support? Yes. Not because they want to enrich themselves. They want to get to the field and preach the gospel to the people that God has called them to. And by the way, if you think there are a lot of rich missionaries out there, you need to rethink that. (laughs) I'm sure you can find a scoundrel somewhere, but I'm telling you, these folks are not trying to get wealthy. They're trying to get to work. And so Paul says... Look, I'm not trying to beg a gift, but I have needs. And you saw those needs. And two times when I was trying to plant that church in Thessalonica, you sent and met that need. Now, look at this. I don't desire a gift, but since you sent a gift, these people that are getting saved in Thessalonica, you're sharing in the reward of the work of the gospel at Thessalonica. I've never been to Greenland. I have no plans to go. But I'm glad that Heritage Baptist Church supports the Gilberts because there are people there that need to be saved and I'm glad that that because we got involved in some way that redounds to our account as well. Now notice this. But I have all and abound. I am full having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. 
I'm not trying to overstate this. I'm not trying to be silly. But I'm telling you on Sunday or whenever the final taking up of the offering is for Faith Promise Missions, something is going to occur in this room. It's going to occur out of our sight, but it's going to occur. And when people who are willing to sacrifice and they give, not because they're going to gain from it physically, but because they want to impart a spiritual gift to people they've never seen, to places they'll never go. But when we give so that these can go, I'm telling you, there is a sweet smell that is going to ascend. And in God's eyes, as we give, it is a pleasing thing to God. It is a sacrifice that is an odor, a sweet-smelling thing, acceptable to Him. You want to please God? Put a pledge, a promise, grace in that plate, and you will please God. It's what He's all about. And this church at Philippi, they weren't wealthy. They didn't have much. They weren't the biggest church in the country. But they knew that God had saved them. And they wanted others to hear. And they gave so that that message could get out. And it just was an acceptable, pleasant, sweet offering to Almighty God. Because they had hearts that wanted to give. Can I show you one more thing before we get out of here? I, I love verse 19, don't you? But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Boy, we claim that verse, don't we? And in principle, it is a truth. God blesses giving and God will supply our needs. But context is important. And can I remind you tonight that that great promise in this chapter was in the context of giving sacrificially to a missionary who was doing a work in another country, in another place, to another people. And when God saw the hearts of those Philippian Christians giving sacrificially, oh, it was a pleasing sacrifice to Him. And God says, hey, when I see you give like that, you won't have a need. Because I will supply all your needs. Philippians 4.19, it's a great verse, but understand this, it's a missions verse. And I believe God blesses because it so pleases Him, our missions giving. Here's number two. Why should we be involved in our grace giving, our faith promise giving? Because it allows churches and Christians to experience the power of God. Because it will allow churches and Christians to experience the power of God. Go back uh, to chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians and notice verse 8. I am talking so fast I can hardly keep up with myself, okay? But I want to go fast. Notice, and God is able. What's that? God is able. What's that? God is able. You believe that tonight? Is God able? Study that word. It's the word dunami. Go to Strong's Concordance. And I love how Mr. Strong says it. You know what he says? He says the word able simply means this. To whom all things are possible. When it comes to God, everything is possible. When it comes to men, whoo, not so much. 
but with God all things are possible. So God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Preacher, I just don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit fearful of making a commitment because I'm just afraid that if I make that commitment, it won't come in and I can't give it. If you will pray, if you will pray, if you will pray and discern what God wants you to do and make it a journey of prayer and make it with a willingness to sacrifice and you make the commitment that God leads you to make, I promise you on the authority of the Word of God that God is able to do anything and everything and all things to enable you by His grace to fulfill that commitment. You say, how does He do it? Huh? He can increase your supply. I've been at this a long time. And I'm telling you from my own life, I can give you testimonies of how God, when my wife and I would say, are you sure that's what God said? She'd say, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what God said. I'd say, me too. And, and you would think, how can we do that? And then God does it in ways He just gives you something you didn't think He was going to give you. He say, preacher, is that how He always does it? No, not always. Sometimes He can decrease your spending. Sometimes He can just bless your household and all of a sudden what, what you had to spend, you don't have to spend. He can give you wisdom to be a good steward. He can, he can give you discernment. You know, we don't have to do this this way. We don't have to spend this this way. And He can increase our supply that way. He can give us grace to sacrifice. What? He can give us grace to sacrifice. But... Preacher, you don't understand pumpkin spice lattes are six bucks that I have to spend. Oh, my goodness. Now, I don't want you to go drink seven shots of espresso. But I'm telling you, we spend more money foolishly in a month's time than some corners of the world can live on for a year. And I'm telling you, if we will remember back to when God saved us and what He saved us from and how He's blessed our lives, for heaven's sakes, isn't there something we can sacrifice? I have people with $250 cable bills a month tell me they can't give the missions. That's not true. I have people that spend money in foolish ways, unwilling to to say no. I asked someone one time, and I'm not just preaching on this, and don't, don't take this wrong, but they were members of Netflix and Amazon and, and Hulu and something else. And if you totaled it up, I think it might be $60, $70 a month, but they couldn't give the missions. Yes, they could. They just need to move self out of the way and remember how gracious God was to him when they saved his soul. 
I'm saying that God can do great work. He can perform the supernatural. Faith promise is the greatest personal adventure you can ever take in walking with the Lord. And you make that commitment and you look up to God and you say, God, will you take my hand and walk me through this year? Because this is going to get something. It's going to get exciting, God. And at the end of the year, you can stand there and you don't have to hear somebody else's testimony. And you don't have to hear how God can do it through somebody else. It's your testimony. And you can say what God did. And your heart yearned for that. Don't you want that for your life? God did it. Here's number three. It allows Christians and churches to experience biblical principles of sowing and reaping from a positive experience. Hey, my Bible still says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I am an independent, fundamental Baptist preacher. I am against everything. I don't want people having no fun. And sometimes I come to Galatians 6 and verse 7, and I use that as a club because I say, boy, if you live that lifestyle, God sees it, and it's going to have consequences, and you're going to reap what you sow. And almost all the time, it's true, but almost all the time I apply that great truth in a negative way towards the consequences that sin will bring to our lives. But listen, it is also true in the converse. If we do the right thing, God will bless that and good things will come up in our life. And here's an opportunity that we have where we say, God, you've given me so much. God, you've given me this opportunity and I'm going to sow and I'm not going to sow sparingly. I'm going to sow bountifully and I'm not going to sow grudgingly. I'm going to sow cheerfully. And that church at Philippi, they sowed bountifully and they sowed cheerfully and they were the church of joy. Hey, maybe joy is leaking out of your life because because you're not sowing bountifully and cheerfully. And maybe you think grasping it would make you happy when in truth, letting go of it would be the greatest source of joy your life could have. Here's number four. It's a free will heart offering for all believers who are part of this church. Every man, it says in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7, look at it. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Now I know it says every man, but that's in a, in a gender non-specific sense. What it's saying is every person can give. Let every person determine. Let every person purpose. Because every person can give. When we used to take our faith promise... My ushers would shudder and my counters would shudder. They'd say, Preacher, would, would you mind maybe just saying, don't give a card to the little kids? Because, Preacher, we're getting cards that have like a penny a week or a nickel a week. And I would say, guys, I'm not trying to be authoritarian, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited, 
But if you don't want to count those, I can find somebody that'll count them, and you don't have to do that. But I'm not telling anybody to not give, and I'm not saying that any amount is not worth our while. From the littlest of their childhood, we would put into our children's hands the money that they could have for a week, and we taught them to tithe, and we taught more than tithe, we taught them to give an offering, and then we taught them grace giving. And around our table, at our family altar, we would read a mission letter, and we would pray for those missionaries, and we would talk about what we were going to give And I want to tell you, don't begrudge any child writing a nickel a week for their faith promise. It is building something in his life. It is becoming something more than a nickel in his life. And on the other spectrum of things, there's no one too poor to give. There's no one too limited to give to this offering. You say, preacher, you just don't understand. I understand this. Jesus purposely went down and stood by the treasury one day because He purposely wanted to observe the giving of people at the treasury. And oh, there were those who blew the trumpets before they came because they were going to give a massive amount and they would put it down into that free will offering flute, a metal flute, and the coins would trickle all the way down and people would go, ooh, ah, ooh, that's a lot. And then a widow came down and she had two mites. I wish I was smart enough to know what a mite is. I don't know what a mite is, but to me it's a penny. And she brought those two pennies and she, after those men had given fantastic amounts and made such a stir, she put those two pennies in and walked away. And here's the Lord's observation of that. That woman has given more than all the rest. Because he knew what she had. Boy, if you'd have written her up in the Jerusalem Times, woman gives two pennies, everybody would have thought. (laughs) Jesus said, wow. Do not denigrate the amount you give. In God's eyes, it has nothing to do with the amount you give. It has to do with your heart to sacrifice for what is important to Him. It's so easy to give out of our abundance. It's so easy to give what is comfortable to give. But when it really comes down, you know the kind of giving that God loves? He loves sacrificial giving. How do you know that, preacher? Because He gave His only begotten Son. And because Jesus gave His life. I'm telling you the kind of giving that God loves is when we reach down, and it may not be easy. It may mean real sacrifice. We may not get a pumpkin spice latte. But it truly moves self off the throne. 
God says, I'm pleased with that kind of giving. Here's number five, and I'll be done. You know why every person ought to be involved? Because in a very real sense, it's evidence of our love for the Lord. I want you to go back to chapter 8 for just a moment. I want to start reading in verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. I love my wife more than anything on earth. I love Jesus more, but I love her on earth. And I'm pretty good at words. I use words a lot. My wife says that God created silence for me to fill with talking. And I'm, I can be honest, I can say, I love you, Nance. I love you, honey. I love you, sweetheart. I love you so much, sweetheart. I love you, I love you, I love you. And every once in a while, she'll say to me, you know what? Show it. Now, she's not being mean. It's just that words are cheap sometimes. I love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. I'm so, man, I love what Jesus did for me. I'm so blessed. I'm so, yeah? Do you care about what he cares about? you care about the souls of men in this world that are dying and going to hell? I want you to see verse 9. This is my favorite verse in the Bible. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't just say he loved us, he was sincere in his love for us? He didn't just shout from heaven, Hey, sinners, love you, love you, love you. Hope, hope you work it out. It cost him everything. And he came to this earth setting aside his own desires, setting aside his own comfort, setting aside the resource of his life. He came to this earth and on purpose died for you and I. And our lives are so rich because of the salvation that he gave us. Here's all I'm saying and I'm done. He was sincere in His love for us. Are we as sincere in our love for Him? What, what am I willing to set aside and say, I don't, I don't need to be comfortable with that? What am I willing to set aside and say, I, I don't need that? And what good does it do me if, if I've got 87 channels to watch and there are people dying and going to hell. What difference does it make if I, if I buy this and have this and go there and do that and, and enjoy it for about an hour until my knees hurt and go home and say, well, I really was hard. When there are people going to hell. And I'm just saying, I know it's painful to hear, but what we give 
demonstrates who we love. It's hard for Edwards to hear because I can do better. But it's just the truth. And so we come to a moment like this and some of us haven't even prayed. We, we love God and we love the church and we love missions, but we honestly haven't even prayed. God, what would you have me give? We come to a moment like this and we haven't even inventoried our life and said, well, I could, I could do without that. I don't have to have that. I could give that up and that money could go directly to missions. I can't increase this year. You know, I bet you if you inventory, I won't bet you, but I would challenge you to inventory your life and you could find a minimum of three, four, five things that you could just say, Lord, I love you and I love what you love and I'm willing to set myself aside and give this so that those that you love can hear about Jesus Christ. Say, what will happen? Oh, a sweet smell will begin to ascend to heaven. And God will be pleased when we pick us up and put us out of center and put others and His heart on the throne. Would you pray with me?